Future trading involves risk and is not suitable for all investors. Content provided in this segment is meant for educational purposes and is not a solicitation to buy or sell commodities. Hello and welcome to From the Furrow, where each week we speak with subject matter experts on news and topics affecting the grain markets. I'm your host, Britt O'Connell. Let's get started with a review of today's markets. Today is Tuesday, September 16. September corn closed down 15 and three quarters cents at 611. December 22 new crop corn closed down 18 cents at 610 and a quarter. September beans were down 39 and three quarter cents, closing at 1454 and a quarter. And new crop November beans were down 31 and a quarter cents, closing at 1381 even. Turning to our guests this week, it's our privilege to have with us Troy Deitmeyer with DuPont Pioneer. Troy works as a field agronomist in Northeast Iowa, helping growers maximize yield potential on each acre by understanding each variety for precision placement and troubleshooting throughout the growing season. Thanks for joining us on From the Furrow, Troy. Thanks for having me, Britt. It's great to be here. We are deep into the growing season and everyone is always anxious to hear, how do the crops look in your immediate area, Troy? The area that I cover, Britt, is kind of located along the Highway 20, Highway 3 corridor from about the Mississippi River to just east of Waterloo. And I will say about two-thirds of the area that I cover is is probably a garden spot. Uh, there was about a third of that area that was getting pretty dry and was seeing some moderate drought stress, but the rain that occurred here about 10 days ago has alleviated that. So right in my immediate area, actually things I would rate most of the crop in uh, very good, excellent conditions. And we're very fortunate compared to those uh, talking to my counterparts just southwest and west of me who are still in, in dire need of rain. So the six county area that I cover actually looks looks quite good. You bring up rain and that's a really key point. Obviously, we've seen a lot of areas that have had some drought stress and some heat stress throughout the season. We've seen that some of the weather models have got more precipitation coming into some of these stressed areas both this week and next week, people are wondering how big of an impact can these late season rains still have on this crop? Or is it just a feel good build up soil moistures for the coming year situation, Troy? So we start getting rains, you know, mid August or later, uh, basically what they're going to do is preserve what crop is left. They're not going to definitely, you know, add any bushels, but we can definitely help save what's there. We have been seeing in some areas, some significant tip back in the corn. So, you know, we'll be able to retain those kernels if we do catch some rain and then also add some kernel depth and test weight. You know, it's definitely not too late. A lot of the corn is in that dough stage and we still have, you know, 30 to 40% of the yield left to put into the corn crop and probably close to 40 to 50% of the yield yet to put into the soybean crop. So it it definitely isn't too late uh, to help save some bushels, but there's definitely, in my opinion, been areas that have been definitely impacted yield-wise because of the drought stress. Excellent. We appreciate that insight. And certainly those in in the path of this rain that need it most appreciate hearing that as well and gives them some optimism here as we uh, move closer and closer to harvest every day. The USDA surprised the trade last week by adjusting corn yield 1.6 bushels to the acre lower to an estimated 175.4 and took soybean yield nearly a half a bushel higher from 51.5 bushels to the acre 
to just under 52. This time of year, you inevitably find yourself walking a lot of fields. What's your overall reaction to these adjustments? Well, Britt, I guess I wasn't overly surprised at the lowering of the corn yield. Like I said, we are seeing some tip back in in many locations, especially uh, in visiting with my counterparts. So I guess I wasn't surprised at all to see the pullback on the corn yields. I was, to be honest with you, surprised on, on increasing the soybean yields. And one of the things, I guess the reason for that is planting date is very strongly correlated with our soybean yields, especially when we went want super high soybean yields. So the past couple of years, we've had the luxury of planting a lot of soybeans in April. That just didn't happen. In fact, this year we probably planted them three to four weeks later than normal, which our data and a lot of university data will show, you know, can take, you know, four to eight bushels off of, uh, off of a soybean crop before you even start just because of the planting date. Now, some of those late August rains can maybe help mitigate some of that. But, you know, the late late start on the soybeans has been kind of detrimental to yield. And it's one of the reasons why we've been seeing such high soybean yields the past couple of years in some areas is because of the early planting. And then the other thing on the soybeans, it seems like one of the common themes among my counterparts as agronomists here at Pioneer throughout, you know, Illinois and Iowa that we heard is, you know, very low soybean stands from this spring, from the challenging spring planting season that we had. Now, soybeans can compensate better than corn can, but when you factor in the combination of some pretty thin stands and some late planting makes it pretty tough to, you know, get significantly above trend line yields. Appreciate that insight. Have you seen much by way of disease pressure or insect damage late in the season? I know a few years ago, tar spot was a big point of conversation. Just curious if you're starting or have seen any uh, damage or pressure from that standpoint. Yeah, so tar spot, in my opinion, is going to be the the big unknown, if you will, going forward with the corn crop. It, it is present, and actually, to be honest with you, we, we've seen it arrive here in a lot of locations in Iowa probably three to four weeks earlier than we have ever have in the past, along with the crop being planted a week or two later. So you start doing the math, and that means that that disease could potentially work on our crop for an additional, you know, three to four, maybe more weeks than what we've seen in the past. So that's the that's the big caveat. And it with the recent rainfalls that some areas have seen, we we are starting to see a fair amount of tar spot start to accelerate. Most of the growers were very proactive this year in getting fungicide applications on, and actually we have some growers uh, this week are actually putting on their second fungicide application. So. It's with such a new disease, it's very hard to know where it's going to take us. But our learnings from our Wisconsin and Illinois counterparts say that, you know, show that it's very serious. And, you know, it can take 20, 50 bushels from an unprotected cornfield quite quickly. So at this point, it's a huge unknown. And in your guys' world of marketing, uncertainty is, is what drives markets. And that is the biggest uncertainty right now for us and probably in the area that I cover along with numerous other agronomists is just where the tar spot is going to go with it showing up so early. Tar spot, certainly something that is kind of new to the scene. We've seen such tremendous strides in agronomic practices in the last decade. And as a former agronomist and a bit of a agronomic junkie myself, in your opinion, what are the practices that you think have you've seen that have made the most significant impact for growers in the last decade or so? Well, Britt, one of the things I talked about earlier was early planting of soybeans. And even 10 years ago, or almost even five years ago, we were very limited on how early we could plant soybeans because of 
seedling diseases that would occur. And with the improvements in seed treatments, I think that has been one thing that has not been talked about a lot that has really driven soybean yields higher. And, you know, the other thing that is has come along is, again, just the, the drought tolerance and the nitrogen use efficiency of modern day corn hybrids. I think that has been something that it's just really helped, if you will, weatherproof our crops. Um, just the ability to withstand adversity in the today's genetics has uh, really improved. And I think those are some of the things that have really helped drive yield. And, you know, the producers have done a great job of adopting, you know, nutrient management practices to split apply nitrogen and variable rate fertilizer applications on phosphorus and potassium to get it where it needs to go. And then also the adoption of you know, fungicide applications and maybe some foliar feeding late in the season have been some real improvements that I think has helped drive that yield curve up every year. Yeah, it's always fun, uh, you know, sitting on this side of the desk now when I talk to guys at harvest and we've had some challenging weather in various areas across the U.S. in the last couple of years, but it's a lot of fun when you you talk to these guys and they they just kind of shake their heads and they're like, I don't know where it came from, but man, we had really good yields. And so it's obviously a testament to some of the some of the technologies uh, that you and your crowd have been working on and bringing to the marketplace. Is there any exciting technologies that you see coming down the pipe that you can share with us uh, that you're really looking forward to and think can make a big impact for our growers? You know, one of the things I, not new, new, but uh, the continued adoption of the Enlist soybean system, I think has given growers a lot more flexibility in their weed control management. And next year we'll see a huge portion of the soybean acres in the United States go to that system and it's going to help free up a lot of worries that growers have in managing weeds and soybeans. So I think that's a great technology. And then the industry is going to be getting new corn rootworm technology called RNAi technology. That's going to be paired with our existing corn rootworm traits. And corn rootworm has been one boy here in the Midwest, um, even over into South Dakota, Nebraska, that has really taken a lot of bushels from guys over the past several years. And anytime that we can add a new tool to the toolbox to help manage pests is a pretty big deal. So I think that's going to be very beneficial trait coming down the pipe here to, you know, help those growers manage a a key pest in, in corn and help maintain consistency in yield. It probably won't add yield, but it's just going to help protect that yield that's in the bag when they pour it in the planter. It's something you certainly heard from producers as well is they've added more soybeans to their rotation sort of as a necessity to managing some of that insect over that corn rootworm uh, pressure. And many are looking forward to, to this new technology. So much anticipation as we move forward. And one of the greatest concerns that growers share with us is around managing input costs in the coming year. What advice would you share with growers as we look at that 2023 season? We inevitably see cost of production once again rising, but yet we've got all these really impactful technologies that have come forward and helped us not just solidify yields, but add yields to the bottom line of our growers. What can you share as just some advice around managing some of those costs for the coming year? Yeah, at many of our agronomy meetings, I'm hearing the same thing, Britt. And one of the things that we're we're telling guys is, you know, really take a look at those soil tests that you guys have and, you know, allocate the dollars where needed. And one of the things that we can't do is is starve a crop. Modern genetics are engineered 
you know, to have ample nutrients. And we saw in some cases this year where, where people pulled back too far. Maybe this was even the second or possibly third year where maybe they pulled back on phosphorus and potassium applications. And, you know, over time, you just, there's only so much left in the bank that you can borrow from. And, you know, there's a lot of variability out there. So I guess one of the things we're really encouraging guys to do is, is go ahead and if you haven't updated your soil test, get them taken and eight, 10 bucks an acre invested in soil testing can really reveal, you know, where you could get by maybe another year or two without having to add that P and K and then areas where you absolutely need it in order to maintain the yield and profitability that that you need. So that'd probably want to, you know, be one of my biggest things. And then just get out there in their fields. Right now you can see everything that occurred throughout the entire growing season. You can see how the planter did. You can see how your tillage applications were. You can see nutrient deficiencies. Go out there, make notes, see what worked, see what didn't, and, you know, make improvements for next year. And hopefully um, we can keep commodity prices where they're at and not have any supply issues or as many supply issues to help guys along. You know, the other thing on the supply side is as soon as you can get your crop protection products probably purchased or at least spoken for, we we do anticipate that the tightness of crop protection is going to be maybe even tighter than it was this year. So that's something I really recommend also that guys go ahead and and figure out what, what their plan is for next year as far as herbicides and fungicides, insecticides, and maybe try to get them purchased here before supplies get too tight. Well, we certainly appreciate the insight, Troy. And as we wrap up on From the Furrow, I just want to thank you for joining us. We appreciate your expertise and insights, and it's been a lot of fun to talk not just about markets, but about the crop production. If you enjoyed listening to From the Furrow, please subscribe to our podcast and tell a friend or two. Please feel free to contact us anytime. We love to hear from our listeners. Thank you to Paige and Corey for helping to produce, mix, and master this production. Music